Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode 95 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and I uh, got nothing this week. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, editor of Marvel.com, and no interns this week. We are internless, so we have turned to an intern alumni, graduated into regular staff member... Carrie Fialo, social media coordinator here at Marvel. That means this should be a flawless podcast because there should be no gaffes, no errors that the normal intern crop would have. I feel like you haven't had anything for the extra line for a few weeks now. I know. I don't think about it until we get in here and there's been nothing to but, spark my imagination. Know, you're usually very good with that. Usually yeah. usually it just comes off the cuff. Yeah. been very busy, though. I, I have been. to think about. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to get into new comics, print, digital, collection, single issue, uh, movies, TVs, games, uh, news, and then we're going to hit on the This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club selection of... That would be Ultimate Spider-Man, the original series from 2000, issues 1 through 7, ostensibly the first arc, sometimes called Power and Responsibility, sometimes just called the first arc of Ultimate Spider-Man, <laughs> but we will talk about it here, and you guys had a lot of great comments. But first... Let's talk about what's on sale this week. I'm going to kick things off with Avengers number 18, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lionel Francis Yu, with Jerry Allen Gwillen. Jerry Allen Gwillen on inks and Sunny Go on colors. This is basically chapter two of Infinity. Picks off right where Infinity number one left off. It's a it's a sub chapter. Uh, it advances the plot. When we last left Infinity. The Avengers had gone off into space to try to head off the Builders of the Pass, and Avengers is going to tell kind of the nooks and crannies of that story as Infinity proceeds. There will be different stuff in New Avengers, which we will cover next week. But in this particular issue, we get some backstory on where the rest of the Galactic Council has been. The Galactic Council, uh, seen in Guardians of the Galaxy, is kind of the bigwigs of all the major Marvel alien races, the Skrulls, uh, are factored in here, but we already had Kree, represented by the Supreme Intelligence, Annihilus, Gladiator in there for the Shi'ar, Star-Lord's dad in there for the Spartax, got some Brood, we had the Asgardians, although I don't think they're in this issue, um, but we have the whole Galactic Council meeting in neutral territory, trying to decide, okay, what are we going to do about these builders? We get a nice little side story with Clerk, our beloved Super Scroll. And we found out what's been going on with the Skrull Empire since they kind of dissipated after Secret Invasion and how Clert is trying to bring them back together. A nice little thing with him and an old mentor of his in which we get to see the builders in action and we see how badass these guys are. But what I'm really impressed with in this little story is it's only like three or four pages. Uh, the art's beautiful. But Hickman really invests you in these characters you meet for maybe three panels, these Skrull characters. Um, and what happens to them, you, you care. And Super Scroll, you care about him. I, we already did. We saw him in Annihilation and all sorts of stuff. But Hickman just gets in, gets out like a precision knife, saying, these are why the builders are so scary. This is why you should care about what's going on in the universe. Uh, the Galactic Council is trying to make a plan. But we then pull back and get the Avengers part of it, where we see that all the Avengers and a whole bunch of armies from the Shi'ar and from all these different races are basically gathered. It's a huge space epic, and they're all going to go after the builders so it's not just the typical it's the 16 avengers and they're gonna go fight an entire alien race it's the avengers are almost like the the smallest part of this army which they acknowledge caps like all right let's hang back and just let kind of the big wigs plan things out and we'll when we get to the battle we'll show them how awesome we are 
Um, and that's what the rest of the issue is. It's the big battle. It's they are trying to take the measure of the builders. So they basically try to lure them in to a trap. This great splash page by Neil. And they try to lure the builders into a trap to kind of see what they've got. And the Avengers and their allies get what they think is a quick victory. And it turns out to be anything but. And then we spin off into what's going to happen coming up in Infinity. Just a big battle issue. Uh, I think we say a lot when we're talking about comics. We're like, oh, you know, some action issues are great. But this was a great talking issue. This was a great character building issue. There's character stuff in here. And it's a real complete package. But it's really the action and the fight sequences are really first and foremost. Um, and Infinity continues to impress. So while you get all that in Avengers number 18, in Avengers Assemble number 18, you get a much deeper dive into that epic battle, uh, really from the start of where the Avengers and all these armies are laying their trap and the nitty-gritty of what goes down, and you see how, how well or how poorly it goes for both sides, and uh, it's, it's good, it's really really interesting, and you see how... It affects specifically Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel, uh, Hawkeye, Captain America, the uh, the Avengers Assemble crew, and uh, it's great stuff. This one is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with awesome art by Barry Kitson. Always love seeing Barry Kitson. Oh, yeah. Cable and X-Force, number 13, written by Dennis Hopeless and Cullen Bunn, art by Salvador LaRocca and Gerardo Sandoval. We got another split-screen story here, as Hope is in the future with Strife Hope. Uh, Strofe. Strofe. Uh, older Hope, who is wearing Strife Armor, and Blacksmith, who is relaying back, all right, this is basically explaining the book to date. Uh, this is why the future is terrible. This is why I've been trying to get Cable to do stuff in the present. X-Force is fighting a big worm monster. There is some classic dialogue between Forge and Dr. Nemesis ribbing each other. This is actually a fantastic Dr. Nemesis issue. For those of you who have been missing out on your Nemesis fix, in addition to all of this, we've also got Cable starting to lose it. Once again, he is losing control of his powers, and all the stuff that's been done to his mind is taking its toll, and he is, uh, with Havoc, under captivity of the Uncanny Avengers, and he's starting to flip out. But we also have Hope kind of debating with older Hope, you know, was this the right thing to do? Did you do it for the right reasons? That's kind of fun. So, great dialogue, and Colossus flinging himself into a giant worm monster and getting covered in snot, which Mm -hmm. is also fun. I always love it. All right, Daredevil, number 30. 30 issues of Daredevil. It's crazy. Awesome. Uh, Written by Mark Wade. Amazing art by Chris Somney and colors by Javier Rodriguez. This is a great issue. It's Daredevil teaming up with Silver Surfer. uh, And it's in it, you get one, you get one of the supporting characters who's been in the book in Mark Wade's run, comes back into the fold in a big way. You get uh, a brand new alien, I think this is a brand new alien race, because I've never heard of them. I've never seen them. Yeah. Knowing Mark Wade, they probably appeared in like one issue of Tales to Astonish back in 1955. (laughs) Yeah, it's super cool stuff. Uh, Really fascinating, especially how this race works with Daredevil's senses, works with Silver Surfer's cosmic abilities, um, and you know, you you think you're, the story's going one way, and zoop, it goes another way, and it's zoop indeed, zoop indeed. It's really terrific. It's obviously gorgeous because our team is amazing. But you get really great stuff between Silver Surfer and Daredevil, two characters who I don't believe have ever interacted in this way before. I think they even address it where Daredevil says, "I'm I know of you," but I don't I, think they've ever met. Yeah, ever. 
It's great. And I mean, they, I'm sure they were in like a crowd scene together in Infinity War, but yeah. I don't think they talked. There's a two-page uh, sequence with Daredevil basically oh, yeah. steering Silver Surfer's board, and it's like Chris does such a great job of conveying Daredevil's just sense of joy and yeah. excitement over this. It's terrific. There's you know really fun action where it needs to be. Great dialogue. I mean, it's a it's a patented Mark Wade book. It's really terrific. And at the end, you get a big emotional punch mm-hmm. in uh, in a little, you know, last page. Yeah. Mm, one of my favorites this week. Over to Dexter number two. This is written by Jeff Lindsay, who has written all the Dexter novels, illustrated by Dalibor Talajik. And uh, you get a little bit more insight, maybe some hints as to who is doing this latest series of grisly murders that Dexter is trying to suss out. Uh, there's... Uh, there's some no good nicks around here, and no hopefully he'll get to the bottom of it. Indestructible Hulk, number 12, chapter 2 of Agent of Time, written by Mark Wade, art by Matteo Scalera, colors by Val Staples. But I want to bring real quick your attention to this awesome cover by Mukesh Singh, who I think is a huge star on the rise. We've spoken to him on Marvel.com. But he's got Hulk and three Marvel Western heroes. Uh, Lassoing, Yeah, three kids. It's a two-gun kid, rawhide kid, and kid cult. Uh, lassoing a dinosaur, and it is amazing. I want this as a poster. It's so great. So Hulk is traveling back in time, trying to fix these uh, little ripples caused by Age of Ultron that a group of chronarchists, uh, time-traveling anarchists, are trying to take advantage of. He ends up in the Old West, and he's got Banner's consciousness is in one of his little robot hovering robot guys. So what he's got to do is direct Hulk to try to solve the problem and also keep Hulk angry enough so he doesn't turn back into Banner. But Because if he turns back into Banner, they're screwed. There'll be two Banners, and it's no good. So he meets up with the three kids. Uh, they come across a town where one of the chronarchists has taken over and is eating pork and beans and will not let any of the townspeople have any and is making everyone work in the mines. And he's got all these dinosaurs that he's brought forward in time so he can rule. I love that his whole... I mean, there is a bigger plan that I don't want to get into, but I love it. At the onset, it just seems like this guy from the future basically just wanted to come back to the Old West and take over a town. Um, I I remember Kang used to do that in the Avengers, and that was always just great (laughs) to me. It's like, you know, they have these vast, like, future empires where they're like, no, I just want to go back to, like, Arizona in 1870-whatever and, you know, eat pork and beans. So... Banner has to direct the Hulk into trying to solve the problem. Uh, there's more than meets the eye. It's a really smart, funny book. Again, another great Mark Wade book. And probably my favorite part is just uh, the Banner dialogue. You found a cool dynamic here that he can have both Banner and Hulk on camera at the same time. And Banner gets to antagonize Hulk, which is a lot of fun. And then the end of this issue sets up next chapter. It's going to be another fun jump to another crazy era. So more wackiness should ensue. Morbius Living Vampire number 8, written by our buddy Joe Keating, drawn by Richard Elson. We are ramping up to the conclusion of Morbius. Uh, Some stuff going on in his past leads to his present, where the Rose and his allies are assaulting Brownsville. Morbius has to take a stand. His usual thing was just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to stand here and be all mopey. But his, uh, his sidekick... Becky kind of shakes him out of it. We get some Legion of Monsters in this issue, so that's awesome. And we get a showdown between Morbius and the Rose, which would I want to know who the heck the Rose is, so hopefully we'll learn that next issue. Yeah. Rose is kind of a badass, too. I like it. He's a badass. 
He's a badass indeed. All right. Over to Nova number seven, written by Zeb Wells, art by Paco Medina. And now that Sam is ready to go into the hero game, he decides to go to New York, where he runs directly into Spider-Man. So flies was, right into Spider-Man. It was so funny. It was really funny. Also, how stupid is he that he doesn't know the Statue of Liberty is a woman? He, Look, man. It's like you know you, you were you were the born public in, school system in America is to blame for I'm this kind of ignorance. You were born and raised in New York. You know all this stuff. I was I'm from Boston. I'm not too far off. This kid's from like you know middle of nowhere, Arizona. Maybe they don't they don't know the public school system there. needs to be improved. Okay. All right. Anyway, off on your uh, talking points. <laughs> you get uh, you get some great stuff between Spider-Man and Nova, and then Nova's like, oh, and it goes flying off somewhere yep. else. Uh, we get a great little peek at uh, some new Warriors characters. Yeah. Justice and Speedball. Doing their thing. Road tripping across America like new Warriors do. When did Speedball readopt that Back identity? in Avengers Academy. In the early part of Avengers Academy, he decided, I'm done being penance. Yeah. I hate wearing this dumb suit. He got past his goth phase yep. and decided to... I am going to be Speedball again, and he's been back ever since. And, him and, and this actually picks up directly from... Avengers Academy, him and Justice left saying they're like, you know, we gotta go be heroes on our own again. And this is what it's gotten them. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Really a lot of nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, you get some fun stuff with Sam as he's just constantly figuring out who he is, what his place is screwing in the universe. Up constantly. Like a good hero, he's screwing up early. Yeah. Uh, he runs into these two guys who are builders, the Medina and Medina uh, construction <laughs> company guys, who are actually awesome, yep. like little characters. Hopefully we see more of them because, yep. you know, they're, they're start, they see that he's a kid and they want to give him advice. Um, but as that's going on, boom, last page. Oh, yeah. Things last are get page, bad. Thanos and the Watcher, so get ready for that. And... For those of you who've been wondering, this uh, this when will he rebuild the skate park cliffhanger that's been just <laughs> looming over the book does get resolved in this issue. I was starts to wait. It starts to get resolved because I was uh, I was interviewing Jerry Duggan about coming on the book. He started talking about the skate park, and I said, "Wait a minute! When you come on, the skate park is still going to be like not rebuilt." And he goes, "Wait and see." I'm like, "Oh, this is a major <laughs> plot point now." All right, Superior Spider-Man number 16, big issue, really cool stuff, uh, written by Dan Slott, art by Umberto Ramos. If you recall, last issue, Spider-Man outed Hobgoblin as Phil Urich, so this is a long-running subplot that finally gets wrapped up. He is at the Daily Bugle, where his uncle Ben Urich is, where Robert Robertson is, where his girlfriend Nora Winters is, and everyone's just like, holy crap, Phil Urich, Hobgoblin, and he's been, you know, been a really great character find of, of this run on Amazing Spider-Man, and he, or Amazing 2 Superior Spider-Man, starts to unravel, Spidey gets there, uh, there's a whole hostage situation, you see how Spidey, again, Doc as Spidey, handling things different, um, there's a great thing where he, um, Robbie Robertson goes, you know, I, how can you prove that Philly Eric's a hobgoblin, and Spider-Man's like, unbelievable, the Daily Bugle is asking me to prove someone is a menace, <laughs> um, Meanwhile, we got the Wraith trying to get to the bottom of what is up with Spider-Man. We got another little shot of Tiberius Stone. And we get an ultimate showdown between Spider-Man and Hobgoblin with all the Daily Bugle folks in peril. I really like the background stuff going on here. Some of the ramifications for the Daily Bugle. Again, it's that classic Spider-Man where you've got the A-plot action, but you've always got these B-plot kind of um, workplace things, supporting cast stuff. It's a bigger soap opera type drama. Get a little cameo from Turbo. 
And then we get more stuff with this Goblin King mystery, which I'm really intrigued by. And Hobgoblin's role is not done. Some stuff with the Avengers. Just a packed book. Um, Slot's really hitting on all cylinders here, and his artistic collaborators are keeping the pace. Just a great, great one. Nilbog is Goblin spelled backwards. Yeah, how'd you figure that out? If anyone on the listening to the podcast gets that reference, Great. tweet it to me. You get it? Yes, I do. Good job, Carrie. It's some nerdy British show. Mm, nope. No. Got it. no. Not at all. Nope. Anyway, some nerdy British something. We're gonna go over nope. to Thunderbolts number fourteen, an Infinity Tie-in written by Charles Soule and art by. How do you say his name? I have no idea. Soule. Soule. I like that. It's like soul with an E. Yeah, Soule. I got it. Got it. Uh, art by Hefte Palo, and this is sort of setting things off in a new direction for the team. Red Hulk is saying, you know what? We did a whole bunch of things I need to do, and I got more things I need you guys to do. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to put some names in a hat and let you pick the person we're going to kill, because that's the way we do things in my <laughs> funhouse. Where does Deadpool get the hat that you I, lo- I don't know, but up. it was so great. Yeah, I love that. Deadpool just has a giant pimp hat. It's great. Maybe he stole it from it's the like white man. It's like a musketeer man. hat. I like to think he stole, <laughs> stole it from, from the, the white, white man. man. Yes. Um, but also, the issue starts with them having to kill a, a gamma-irradiated cow that turns into a giant dragon. That's what happens. And that bummed me the hell out because the poor thing is... Look, the first shot of it is just yeah. sitting there. Yeah, it maybe ate some people, but it's just sitting there well, being like, oh, I'm a cow. I think the leader had like a more humane solution, but it didn't work. Yeah, well... Also of note, uh, when the leader's machine goes wrong and... They do what they do, like Electra says, because there's there's little lightning bolts that come out of the thing. Electra says thunderbolts. That's a little on the nose. Yeah. Is that the first time they've officially called themselves? I don't the know. Thunderbolts? Maybe because I can't recall them actually in the book saying they were the thunderbolts yet. I don't know, but it's great. Historic, totally. Uh, basically, it all goes down. Punisher gets his chance to take the reins of the team and. Surprise, he wants to kill some mobsters in New York City. I love it. <laughs> Is it Deadpool who gets the line after that? Um, Punisher says something. Oh, like, yeah. He's, yeah. Deadpool Say says, I have literally never been less surprised in all yeah, my life. Because Punisher just go, they're like, what's your mission? He's like, we're going to kill a mob family in New York City. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it, it's a really, you know, I really like the way Charles sets up this mob family and, and the way things are moving around that. Um, and then there's an interesting the, the Infinity tie-in comes in because Venom's like, hey, the Avengers aren't in New York, uh, so we don't have to worry about all that stuff. Yeah. But maybe we should be there. Punisher's yeah. like, yeah, you guys got to be here. And then boom, shot of bad stuff coming. Yeah. That was a really that was a strong issue. Yeah, very strong. That, that, that Charles Sewell has really been doing great stuff on that book. Yeah. Charles Sewell. Sewell. Ultimate Comics Ultimates, written by Josh Fialkov, art by Carmine D. Jan Domenico, continuing this great disassembled arc that we have loved. We'll focus on Quicksilver here, find out why he is part of this little conglomerate with Reed Richards and the Hulk and Kang. Uh, action picks up, Fury's Howling Commandos are fighting against some rogue Iron Man armors, the real Iron Man gets involved, the Ultimates come back, Reed Richards is crazy. I, just love Ultimate Reed Richards so much. He's like six clones of himself coming together, bickering with Kang, trying to figure out what they do. Quicksilver figures out what's going on because at this point he's just been kind of like blindly following the crew. He figures out what's going on. That has major ramifications. And then by the end of the issue, we finally learn who Kang is. Uh, the writing is packed in this book. It's quick. It's, it's enticing. The action is well-paced. And the art is just so... It's a good combination of like just 
gross and also action-packed. And uh, Dan Domenico just put so much in every panel. Uh, the colors are great, too. So the colors on this book. Uh, Jim Charalampetus. Those are the colors on this. I want to call him out because colors are just lush and beautiful. Yeah. Really solid book. I love how Reed just loses it and he's no. just, he bugs out. Like, I'm so smart. How is this happening? It's like, five of me become one again. I like <laughs> when there's a great moment. I like when the five of them that are like arguing with yeah. each other. He's like, like, shouldn't you be doing this? No, I think you should be doing this. Yeah. It's, he's a great guy. It's some really fun stuff that they've done across the board in that book. All right, over to Venom number 39, written by Colin Bunn, art by Jim. Kim Jacinto with Mike Henderson and Lee Lowridge. Uh, you've got Lord Ogre's plans still going along now with Jack O'Lantern. Um, just freaking Jack O'Lantern. Just such a dick. Yeah. Like, that's all I can really say. He's such a jerk. Yeah. And he's killed. Um, so, Flash Thompson is a school teacher. He killed one of his students' parents, and she freaks out. He Venom goes to protect her. Yep. Boom. The symbiote just decides, hey, I'm going to have another kid right now. Because <laughs> that's essentially what happened. Yeah. How many children has, has the Venom symbiote had? So many. Yeah. Carnage, Toxin, uh, those six from the old school yep. Venom series. So it's not unprecedented that something like this would happen. Fertile symbiote. Yeah, very fertile symbiote. And uh, it, it, it takes over. Um, well, I wouldn't say takes over, but, yeah. it, you know. Um, bonds. Bonds, thank you, with Andy. And so now we have two Venoms running around. They take on Jack-O-Lantern, and you get a big twist for Jack-O-Lantern. And a, mm. a really, actually, very cool um, way that that character has transitioned. So, interesting to see. More Lord Ogre no-goodness, and uh, sets up... Uh, nice constrictor some, moment. Yeah, great. Well, that's what I was... In one panel. Yeah, you get constrictor, who... Shows he's got a little bit of a conscience. He's he always like, does that, though. He yeah. always he's, he's a jerk, but he always... I'm not going to hit a kid, and then, yeah. you know, all bad things come around. Yeah, yeah. All right, X-Factor number 261, the penultimate issue of X-Factor overall, and the penultimate chapter of the end of X-Factor. This time around, we're focusing on Darwin and M. Monet, who both end up in Vegas. Darwin pretty much recaps what's happened to him over the course of this entire series, so we're going back to 2005 now. Uh, Darwin's evolution, no pun intended. Uh, he goes looking for Hella, who he thinks ruined his life. Instead, he finds some criminals, and then he finds Monet. Uh, Monet has also been through the ringer. She was dead during the Hell on Earth war. Guido brought her back. She's not really sure if she has a soul or not. These two have a little adventure, have a little fight, and then they sit down to talk it out. And I was, I remember way back when X-Factor started like i mean it's gotta be first or second year they had kind of a thing going like a romantic thing going where darwin had a huge crush on her she didn't really know about it and that gets re-explored which just goes to show you in a peter david comic everything will eventually come back around <laughs> even after you have to wait eight years for it yep. so we had a nice resolution to the story of darwin and monet as we head into the final issue of x-factor x-men number four written by brian wood with just kind of amazing art by David Lopez, Beautiful. who is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Just incredible stuff. You've got two stories going on here. One with Wolverine, Jubilee, and Jubilee's uh, little kid. And uh, the other one with the rest of the X-Men team that it's in this book. On a rescue mission on that team, you have Storm, Rogue, Psylocke, Kitty Pryde, and uh, Rachel Gray. And I, I really like the stuff with the team and what they do. There's some mm -hmm. fun stuff with Powers great interactions there's a lot of like you know really establishing where they stand with each other within the x-men within you know each other's lives 
But my favorite thing here is the Wolverine Jubilee stuff. Yeah, Brian Wood writes the heck out of that relationship. I, I genuinely want a, a Wolverine Jubilee book yeah. that's just the two of them hanging out, being like really close family. And I think that it's a great relationship, great interactions. You get this wonderful side of Wolverine, right. um, which you see a little bit here and there, but it really comes out yeah. here. After all the awful stuff he's had to deal with with his children, whether it's Dokken or the all, the whole bunch of kids that Jason Aaron created and killed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you really get a sense that he sees Jubilee as like uh, almost like yeah. his daughter in many ways and treats her in so wonderfully. It's well, great. It's, it's interesting because I think like every generation has their they always they always pair Wolverine up with like a young female character. It was originally Kitty Pride. Yeah. They've done it time like like with X twenty three to some degree. But Jubilee was like our generations. Yeah. She was the Wolverine sidekick when we were growing up, you know, in the cartoon, but also in the comics. She was always like Wolverine's little protege. So I I like when they come back to that relationship. I personal affection for that yeah um and it just there's some great stuff here really cool things that i hope get picked up again and again david lopez just draws the most amazing faces and reactions and puts so much detail into everything i want to make him draw all the comics Hmm. all the comics interesting i love this issue put a lot of people out of work yeah well X-Men Legacy, number 15. Uh, this is written by Cy Spurrier. With art by, yeah, by Tan Eng Huat. And it's uh, a big story for Legion as he meets up with his mom. Yep. Gabriel Holler, who Holler. hasn't been around in a while. She's, yeah, I mean, she may have done a cameo or something. Yeah. I mean, she really has never been a prominent character. She's always been kind of on the fringes. She was yeah. first introduced way, way, way back in the day by Chris Claremont. It's basically Charles Xavier's love interest from when he and Magneto used to be buddies and I think she would pop up every now and again and then she became somewhat more prominent when you found out she had a kid and it was Legion and it was Xavier's son but yeah she I, I we definitely haven't seen her since uh AVX unless there was like a panel of her grieving or something over Professor X being dead yeah um with all that said you get some really interesting stuff. It's not just a lovey-dovey, touchy-feely issue. There's some some big moments, some heavy conversations that go on, and some big, big things that happen in Legion's life and set him off on another course, which could spell disaster for some other characters. Yeah, I mean, without... Yeah, I don't want to spell too much. overly spoiling it, it just... I love it because it clicked in my head that I was like, I was like, this makes total sense, and I can't believe I didn't think about it, that Legion's dad died... And someone killed him. Yep. And Legion knows who killed him. Yeah. And just put the pieces together from there. Yep. And he's going to deal with it. A lot of good books this week. This Rip. is not an easy swim of the week. So I'm going to make you go first. Oh, I'm going to have to go with... Uh, tie between Daredevil and X-Men. Boom, I don't care. Those are good. Yeah. No, I, I. those are both on my list. Avengers was up there. Ultimates was up there. I'm gonna go with Nova this week. Nice. It made me laugh. It made it me great. smile. It was really I great. really enjoyed it. It was just I, I it keeps selling me on that character. So I'm gonna say Nova with uh, Avengers actually a close second because I really just like the continuation of the Infinity stuff. Carrie, uh, I really really loved Daredevil number thirty. Mm. I loved it. It's good. It's a good comic. 
right. On to collections on sale this week. We've got Avengers, the complete collection by Jeff Johns, trade paperback volume two, which I read on the subway last night. Nice. And I had forgotten a lot of that stuff. It's which stories are that? So that's the um, the red uh, red zone. Red zone. Okay. With Del Rusk mm-hmm. and with the Aquapel art. Yeah. Earl Rusk was fantastic just because it was like the biggest hand slap on the forehead moment when he revealed who he was. Yeah. <laughs> the characters and the readers, you're like, whoa! Like, oh, of course! Yeah. It was great. <laughs> what then, a stupid name! And then there's um, there's She Hulk stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, the, yeah, where she goes crazy. Yeah. I like, I actually, it, I'm assuming we're doing a third volume of that. I really like when he starts getting into like the. Uh, Falcon solo issue and the Ant Man solo issue and the Jack of Hearts solo issue. Well, the Jack of Hearts. Is, oh, that was this that's, one. That's in that's the last issue in this oh, collection. That one was so the one where he yeah. like gets a day out of his room and then has to go and hang out. That that was like, wasn't that the parallel him and Ant Man? Well, there, there's a going well, stuff? there's the final Jack of Hearts issues in that's this. not the one. Oh, the final Jack of yeah. Hearts issue. That's not the one. I was then the one you're thinking of is it it might be in the first volume one. Yeah. Okay, so this is the, this is it. This finishes his run. Really. That's it. Well, I think that Jack of Hearts issue was his, it was his last one. Issue. Interesting. Well, anyway, it was good stuff. Yep. Uh, hopefully, that guy gets some more work. Yeah. On to toiling on the indies. I know. Deadpool Volume Two, Soul Hunter, Fantastic Four Volume Two, Road Trip, New Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis Volume Five, Spider Man Dying Wish, and Spider Man uh, Superior Spider Man Volume Two, A Troubled Mind. As far as the Marvel Comics app, we've got everything we just told you about, as well as Wolverine Japan's Most Wanted, Infinite Comic number 7. Also on sale, Classic X-Men number 39, Uncanny X-Men issues 244 through 267, as well as 269, and X-Men Annual number 13. I was updating this yesterday. It's basically the full contents of Essential X-Men Volume 9. Mm. Uh, It's right around the time when the X-Men were separated by the Siege Perilous. All those crazy, like... Forge and Banshee being X-Men. Australia Outback? They just, it was like the end of the Australian Outback yeah, yeah. where they all go off Oh, where and do Forge is like doing his weird stuff in, in no, that's where he's Dallas? Trying. No, that was before. This was... <sighs> so much. They're in the Australian Outback. Storm gets de-aged to a kid. Oh, right, and right. And then uh, all this bad stuff happens so they decide, all right, we're going to disband the team. We're going to go through the Siege Perilous and it sends them all to different places. And then you'll get all these stories where like none of them have their memories and they're all in different places and you get like a dazzler solo story and uh people are on muir island and forge and banshee are trying to find the x-men and colossus is an artist who doesn't remember anything oh and this is actually coming up on the sort of the the big change that happened the red and the blue and gold yeah this is like wrapping up yeah. right? like this, this is, is actually i think these are like the first jim lee issues yeah this is when jim lee just started but mm-hmm. it was crazy stuff uh, collections on the app this week, Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, Volume 5, Captain America, Operation Rebirth, Chaos War, Deadpool Volume 2, Soul Hunter, which I mentioned earlier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Tomorrow's Avengers, Volume 1, Moon Knight Volume 2, Midnight Sun, and Spider-Man, the complete Clone Saga epic, Book 1. Awesome. On Marvel Unlimited, a bunch more books. We've got Astonishing X-Men, number 59, Avengers Arena, number 5, Avenging Spider-Man, number 17, Captain America, number 449, Deadpool, number 5 from the current series, Deadpool Classics Illustrated, number 2, FF, number 4, Gambit, number 9, Guardians of the Galaxy, point one from the current series, so that's starting to roll into Unlimited, Indestructible Hulk, number 4, Marvel's Thor Adaptation, number 2, Morbius the Living Vampire, number 2, 
Nova number one from the current series, Superior Spider-Man number four, Thor God of Thunder number five, Ultimate Comics Ultimates number 21, and X-Factor number 252. Solid haul this week. Yeah, good stuff uh, for you Unlimited members. Uh, we're going to kick it over to Strami now for movie, TVs, and games. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom, sometimes known as Strami, coming at you from a very, very blue-skied... Los Angeles today, actually, with the latest on what is on air this week in Marvel TV, namely an all-new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash, premiering this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD, and this one features The Collector, the old Avengers villain, The Collector, who, well collects things, as you would probably be able to surmise from his name, but this is the guy who, as we have revealed, will be played by Benicio Del Toro in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you're curious, if you don't know much about The Collector and you're excited for Guardians of the Galaxy, this is your chance to learn a little bit more about him. Of course, there are tons of other classic Avengers stories that he appears in that you can always go back to, like the Korvac saga. But you can get a little glimpse of it now. Here, get a little uh, insight into the character as he goes up against Hulk, Red Hulk, She-Hulk, A-Bomb, Scar, all the Hulks. It's a big, action-packed episode, as they all are. So check it out this Sunday. And that covers everything we've got on air this week. So I'm going to toss you back to the gentlefolk in New York, and I'll be back with you again shortly. What? All right. Thank you, Strami. Unexpected. Yeah. Time for news. Ben, set it off. Let's dive right into it. Last week, we had a very cool feature that I think we discussed already last week, but uh, we wrapped it up talking to Andre Lima Arojo about Avengers AI, so more great sketches, inks, and full colors from him on Marvel.com with commentary. Smart, smart, cultured individual. Yeah, let's make sure uh, we get those sketches and fun things on the Pinterest. Yes. Well, fortunately, we have Carrie here, so yeah. we can just tell her to do that, and she can make a note. Um, last week, we spoke to Ryan Stegman about... Or two weeks ago, we spoke to Ryan Stegman about Spider-Man 2099 coming to Superior Spider-Man. Last week, we spoke to Dan Slott about Spider-Man 29 coming into Superior Spider-Man. So that is fresh on the site. This week, we have been rolling out some X-Men Battle of the Atom stuff, specifically our good friend and podcast contributor, Nick Lowe, giving insight into what's going on with some of the characters. Uh, some sad news, Venom, the series that we just talked about, is coming to an end, but we have an interview with Colin Bunn talking about how he's going to be wrapping that up. And we also spoke to Dennis Hopeless about Cable and X-Force and their impending clash with the Uncanny Avengers, as well as Cy Spurrier about X-Men Legacy, so a lot of stuff we discussed this week is covered on Marvel.com this week. Very cool. Uh, this morning I got a great email. This A lot of this isn't really news. It's more teasy stuff, but I got a great email with a whole bunch of cool things we're doing for Thor The Dark World leading up to the release, so expect lots more content and fun stuff um, as we roll into the next couple weeks. Um, uh, also, Marvel Heroes, there's some big stuff coming for that game. Uh, patch update and characters and costumes and 
all kinds of stuff, and I actually asked for some codes to try and share those on uh, on the Twitters and stuff. So that game is super fun. I love it. Um, hope you guys are playing it. Uh, I've been reading the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. scripts. Uh, those are super cool. Um, it's true. I will be toiling around my computer, and I will hear Ryan just laugh. Sometimes when he has his headphones on, he laughs. I don't think you know how loud you laugh, but it's great. Sorry. No, it makes me happy. It <laughs> brightens my day. And I'll look over, and he's just pouring over an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. script. No, please continue. Yeah. Do they're, always do They're that. really funny. They're really fun. Yep. They're action-packed. Great character moments. Uh, I'm really genuinely very excited about this show. Yeah. So I actually wish you also an additional laugh, like gasp sometimes. You're like, oh! <gasps> but you don't do that. <laughs> like, just overblown reactions to everything. Thankfully, no gasping. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, we just had some new stuff for Marvel Avengers Alliance. We've got new PvP so going stuff. on. Um, there's some new stuff coming, hopefully, by the end of this week uh, that I won't talk about yet. In case it doesn't happen, but uh, PvP, who's the character? Bishop. Bishop. Electra uh, lockboxes. Electra lockboxes. So, two opportunities for two new characters. uh, And the big thing the three different loadouts. So, you've got your mission loadout, you've got your offense in PvP, and your defense in PvP. And I think you discovered this last week, I didn't realize that you can change your weapons in addition to your costume and stuff. Yeah, everything. The whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. I love it. All right, uh, we're going to kick it back over to Strami for more news on his side. Hello, hello. Once again, this week in Marvelites, Marvel.com associate editor Mark Strom back with you once more with the latest in Marvel movies, TV, and games news. Let's start with let's start with movies this week. We had a couple of new clips from the upcoming Iron Man 3 Blu-ray, which of course hit shelves on September 24th. We brought you another clip from Marvel One Shot, Agent Carter, which is the utterly spectacular short film starring Haley Atwell once more as Peggy Carter. So, you get another look at that, of course, on Marvel.com, as well as our YouTube at youtube.com slash Marvel. And we brought you another deleted scene featuring Tony's biggest fan, Gary, who freaks out a little when he gets to finally meet his hero. And, as always, check that out, Marvel.com and youtube.com slash Marvel. Jumping from Iron Man over to Thor, we announced that Thor will be coming to Disneyland Park this fall. We haven't said too much about this yet. There's not much I can say just yet, but as fall is sadly fast approaching, I say sadly because fall is one season closer to winter, but of course, fall is also closer to Thor the Dark World, so I suppose the two balance each other out. Thor will be coming to Disneyland Park. You'll be able to journey to Asgard, and yeah, that's really all we can say at this point in time, but we'll be bringing you more as we can. And jumping over into Marvel TV... We had another Level 7 access bio on 
Agent Coulson this time. We, of course, have shown you before some featurettes focusing on Agent May, Agent Ward, Agents Fitz and Simmons, a little bio on Sky. This time, it's Clark Gregg, Agent Coulson himself, giving you a few hints about his return. Check it out right now on Marvel.com and our YouTube channel. And, of course, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premieres Tuesday, September 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 Central, on ABC. And I have had the opportunity to actually read some of the scripts for the upcoming episodes as well. And they are very, very good and I am very incredibly excited for this series so we have tons of great stuff coming up with that for you now finally jumping over to games we had the debut of a brand new trailer for Lego Marvel superheroes which features Galactus it features your first look at the Lego version of Galactus who we've teased before we teased him in our very first trailer for the game you saw his silhouette but you did not actually see him in this well you don't get to see all of him but you get to see a uh, uh, a nice bit of him you get to see it's a, it's a very, very cool trailer. Shows off a ton of other stuff. You get to see Silver Surfer right in the spaceways. You get an idea of a little bit more of what the story is about and what Doctor Doom is up to. You get to see some, you know, crazy characters like Arnim Zola and Squirrel Girl. You get brief glimpses of them in this trailer. We also had 19 new screenshots featuring Professor X in his old school hover chair, Daredevil, Iceman, tons of other characters. Go check them all out right now on Marvel.com. And finally, we have news that there's a new update to Marvel Heroes, the free-to-play MMO. There are three new alternate costumes now available in the store. One for Black Panther, featuring his vibranium armor. One for Human Torch, featuring his 2099 costume, which I just saw the designs for for the first time, and it looks deliciously 2099-ish. I, of course, grew up in the 90s, so the 2099 comics have a very special place in my heart. So I was very excited to see that. And also, we have a new alternate costume for the Punisher, his Marvel Now costume, which is his costume from the new Thunderbolts series that Daniel Way just launched launched, and Charles Soule writes now. It features the Red Skull. It's more of a type of military body armor type outfit. It's very cool. You can go check them all out either at marvelheroes.com in the store itself and while you're there just sign up the game is free to play you can start in on it and we also have of course images of the three new costumes up not well probably not as soon as this podcast goes up but very very shortly we should have them thursday afternoon up on the site so that pretty much covers everything i have i'll send you back to the fine fine fellows in new york And, yeah, 
Uh, I hope y'all have a great weekend, a great week, and I will speak to you once again in seven days. Until then, I thank you for listening. All right. Thank you, Stromy. Big, big stuff, I'm sure. Wow, wow, wow. Some great outtakes while uh, while we were gone. (laughs) Yes. uh, So it's time for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Right on. I picked this one, so I'll give a quick bit of background. Uh, let, Let us journey back to the year 2000. Um, Marvel was a very different place. In the year 2000. <laughs> Do you guys get that? Yes. You get that. Yes. She gets, she's she more pop all, culturally she relevant. Well, she's fangirling daily. Yeah. Um, she gets all your pop culture references. So anyways, in the year 2000, uh, Marvel was a very different place. Uh, some of our books were not doing so great. They were a little mired in a lot of continuity um, they were on the rise. I think by 2000, things were starting to kind of turn around, you'd say. Financially and yes. creatively. Financially and creatively. Um, but the big thing on the horizon at that time was that we had movies coming, finally. We had X-Men. We had Spider-Man, the original movies. So, uh, Bill Jemis, who was running the company at the time, um, I believe with the input of other people, but I've always seen him credited as the, the main guy when it comes to the Ultimate Universe, um, Kind of had the vision of all right. We need to, we need to have a line of comics that someone who's just seen the movies can come into and relate to right away. Uh, and the idea was, you know, Amazing Spider-Man had years and years of continuity behind it. It was very hard to dive into. Same with the X-Men. So he said, we're going to start a new publishing line uh, called the Ultimate Universe, um, kicking off with Ultimate Spider-Man, would eventually expand to Ultimate X-Men. And then gradually to Ultimates, which was the Avengers, and Ultimate Fantastic Four, and then so on and so forth to the Ultimate Comics universe we have today. But in 2000, it started with one book. It was Ultimate Spider-Man. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, who you have to put into context at the time was like nobody. Yeah, he had done three or four indie series and yeah. sort of some bio- biographical comics that he drew. Right. I think he was on Daredevil at this point, but like barely. Was he? He, he had just he may have just done the, he did I know he did one guest arc yeah you know later when Daredevil was kind of like a showcase for different writers but he was not Brian Michael Bendis. he was not the Brian Michael Bendis yeah. of 2013 he was actually and I love the story every time he tells it is that when he got the call to do Ultimate Spider-Man which they just thought he had a good voice for it based on his indie stuff he thought they wanted him as an artist um, he was going to draw Ultimate Spider-Man um, and I think Joe Casada who was also hugely involved in creating this line um i think joe was the one who called him and brian was like oh you want me to draw this and joe was something like what no your art's terrible like he basically said flat up like no you're a terrible artist but we want you to write it so brian bendis comes in fresh vision um and they bring in mark bagley who had at the time i guess was drawing thunderbolts um yeah from 97 to well i don't know where he was at. he had a long run on thunderbolts so he may have still been on thunderbolts at the time yeah he, I know he did Fantastic Four at some point. I'm going to say he went from Thunderbolts to that. Because I think he had... Bagley had drawn Amazing Spider-Man for years. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, he was drawing Amazing Spider-Man. He yep. had a long run on Amazing Same. Spider-Man. I think he may have gone right to Amazing Spider-Man, Thunderbolts, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. So he's enlisted. This is the creative team. And the just is, you are going to start from the beginning. Tell the origin of Spider-Man from the ground level. But... Kind of the rub is, set it in the modern day. So it was set in the year 2000. You know, the internet was a bigger thing. Uh, there was, the, the fashions were more current. Uh, and it was 
there were things that were different. Uh, you still had, obviously, a lot of classic elements, but, you know, Aunt May was a very different character. Uncle Ben was a very different character. Mary Jane was a very different character, and she was in the book from the beginning, which was a big change. And even Peter was, you know, a little, a little different. He uh, wasn't quite the full-on, like, nerd, like, science geek from the beginning. Um, because the dynamic of comics fans had changed so they wanted like him to be someone comics fans could relate to so he was still an outsider he was still a bit of a nerd he was still kind of withdrawn but he had friends um i guess it was more like you'd almost call him like a like an emo kid <laughs> like to some degree i guess yeah i don't know like he wasn't really as classified he wasn't he didn't have like the 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 vest and like the checkered stuff he was more of a normal kid who got bullied but I liked, one of my favorite things I liked was him and Mary Jane are friends from the start. She's like another, she's into science. She's another smart uh, high school student. So in high school, uh, the Osbournes are prominently involved. Uh, Harry is another friend of his, and Harry's kind of more of this, you know, rich kid, but trying to do well. Norman is a very different presence from the start. And they just launch in, and these first seven issues are the story of uh, Spider-Man's origin, which you recall was basically told in, what, like 15 pages in Amazing Fantasy? Yeah. So, the whole deal was, you know, the, this this is the era of the trade paperback, this was, we want you to give it a little more room to breathe, really let people get to know Decompressed storytelling yes. is often the term that is, is put forth. Decompressed storytelling was born here. Um, so, this is, you get everything, you get, you meet, you meet Spider Peter Parker in the cast, you meet Uncle Ben and Aunt May, and that's a huge change. You actually get to know Uncle Ben, and which, I, which you, I thought was one of the best parts. It, of this. it is, and Uncle Ben and Aunt May are some of the best characters. They're so, They're cool. so fleshed out yeah. so quickly, and you you warm up to them yeah. so fast. Well, that was the other thing. It was like this kind of like de-aged everyone, because yeah. um, at the time in Amazing Spider-Man, you know, Peter was in. We don't really give an age, but he took like late twenties, early thirties. And this Peter's back to being a high school kid, but instead of having Uncle Ben and Aunt May be super old like they were in the original comics, they're more of, you know, they're just like older. I think they're in their like 40s or 50s. Sure. They're yeah. like, you know, middle-aged. Um, and Uncle Ben's super cool, and Aunt May is like awesome and really like kick-ass lady. Uncle Ben had a ponytail. Total awesome. ponytail. Because they were aging hippies was the whole idea, yeah. which I loved. Yeah. Um, the Daily Bugle factors in but it's basically like peter goes in and they're like oh do you want? he doesn't want to be a photographer he wants to work on like the website because that was what was big back then um so the whole story unfolds uh it's, you meet all of them he gets bitten by the spider all the typical stuff happens and he ends up the green goblin gets introduced here as the big bad of the whole series um and it all unfolds over the first seven issues and my personal experience with this was i was getting back into comics after a little bit of an absence after this time. I had just graduated high school, and I was going off to college. And I actually read the first, like, 12 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man digitally on Marvel.com, uh, the version of Marvel.com that existed back then. They had, uh, I guess what was basically, like, the old-school version of digital comics. Yeah. Um, I, they had two digital comics. They had, as opposed to now where we have you know thousands, they had Ultimate Spider-Man and they had Ultimate X-Men. And I was just getting back to comics and you could read these for free on the Marvel website. So I was like, oh my God, sign me up. I'd never been a Spider-Man guy. 
I read these and suddenly I was like, oh, I get it. I get why everyone likes Spider-Man. The movies were coming out and I related to this Spider-Man much more than I did to the original Spider-Man. So this was kind of my introduction to Spider-Man. It was also in a weird way my introduction to digital comics. Um, I don't I don't think our boss, John Cerulli, was there at the time. Was this during his hiatus or was he there during 2000, 2001? He was, I think he was still there. Wow, all right. So I think so. What a tangled web we weave. Yeah. I was reading Cerulli's digital comics as I was, uh, as I was going to college. So that's my story. Yeah, I had similar interactions with this, and you know, I remember reading these. And around this time, they also you had Wolverine Origin, yep. and um, I think I, if I, my brain says that Marvel was releasing the the digital comics in like parts yeah. and stuff, and so you wouldn't get the whole thing all at right. Once. It would be it would be like issue three, chapter one. You get yeah. like three parts, and like I, I remember being really excited and waiting yeah and it was also easy. frustrating because i got to a point like i when i started there he had a bunch of issues out and like i you get you ran through them and then i'm like what's next and yeah had, and then you have to wait a week yeah and um rereading these for for this it's been great because you just you realize how strong the storytelling is here how great it is and also how many people are wearing overalls? Oh my god! Uh, it's there's overalls everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I guess That's what that, it was. That was a fashion at the time. Sure, I remember two thousand. Everybody was just overalls and overalls. It's true, man. Was, and belly guys, shirts. Are the guys wearing overalls or just the girls? Like, do we still? Like I guys think. Overalls? I think there. I think I'm pretty sure Flash wears overalls in one of these. Because I do remember the girl I was dating in two thousand definitely used to wear overalls all the time, and her friends wear overalls all the time. So wow. That, so that was a thing. So that was accurate. So that was That's accurate. pretty great. Well, if this was set in, you know, like, suburban New England. Close enough. Which I'm assuming it was not. Yeah. It's clearly in New York uh, City. But, it, I mean, it's close. really great stuff. Belly shirts I didn't see a lot of. In here? Or no, in, in real life? real life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it was more of a 90s thing, but I think it transitioned yeah. over well enough. I think I think Mark Bagley, fantastic artist, was just trying to get a sense of what... what <laughs> Youth kids, culture? Yeah, what kids were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was... It, this is just really, really fun storytelling. Really great. And if you... I have not been a Spider-Man fan. This is definitely one of those books that makes you go, "Oh, yeah, I'm, absolutely." It clicks. Yeah, and this is something that I love. I, th- I think even though the characters are different, the spirit of Spider-Man is so ingrained there that you could read this first arc and then easily jump over to something like Amazing Spider-Man now. Yeah, like you would recognize that same. Well, Superior Spider-Man might, might be a little more of a leap, but you could you could read a Spider-Man book. Yeah. Um, this is just like, yeah, for me, this is like the perfect Spider-Man book. You could go backwards or forwards. After this, I would read Amazing Spider-Man. I would go back and read the old Lee Ditko stuff, and that resonated with me. Um, I would go forward and read, you know, what was coming out then. So this is just a great Spider-Man primer in general. Yeah, and I, I think it's, you know, this is very cinematic storytelling. Mm-hmm, you very you feel like it's big and, and right. awesome. It was definitely perfect for fans of the movie. Yeah. Um, if people were coming in from the movie and watching this, it was it was great. Yep. Carrie, were you alive uh, when this book came out? I was in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read Colin? No. Cool. <laughs> so you have nothing to contribute. Except that I wore overalls a lot in middle school. There you go. It was totally accurate. Overalls. Way to go, Bagley. Very good. All right. Let's get to your comments. You heard from us. Let's uh, let's see what these guys got to say. Drew Hamilton. I was actually reading, already reading Ultimate Spider-Man for the first time, now on issue number 20. Cool to see everyone so young. How old is Pete when he dies? Oh my god, jumping way ahead, <laughs> spoiling everything. I think, I mean, the entirety of Ultimate Spider-Man really t- 
takes place over the course of a couple years, and he starts out two or three years, yeah. give or take. I don't even think he's, he's fifteen here. He's fifteen here. I don't think he gets past his. I don't think he turns seventeen before he's maybe before he's snuffed out too soon. Wow, that's so brutal. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, good note to start out on. Let's move on. Terrific. The Fastball Special Ultimate Spider-Man Volume One was the first comic book I ever read when I was fourteen last year. Nice to revisit a favorite. Good pick. So Fastball Special is 15 years old and has been reading comics for a year. And he's reminiscing. Yeah, this was like an old favorite. Yeah. From 12 months ago. I love ago. it. That's, that's great. That's a fantastic that's contribution. Awesome. Leanne Craig. Love Ultimate Spidey. Ready for a reread. Didn't care for this version of Uncle Ben's death, but the last panel in Ultimate Spider-Man number five is perfect. Um, I, I, it wasn't so much the death for me. It was more, again, that we got to know the character. Yeah. Because, I mean... <clears throat> original Uncle Ben, you know, God rest his soul. Um, he's just, he's just like, a, like the prototypical good old dude who you meet for two panels and you're like, ah, oh, he seems really nice. And this, you're like, man, Uncle Ben is so cool. Yeah. Like, I wish he was my uncle. Like, uh, so it really, it didn't matter how he died. I was, just, and, and that was the hardest part, reading it and knowing, like, well, I know yeah. the origin of Spider-Man. I know it's coming. Like, there was a part of you that thought, like, oh, maybe they'll kill Aunt May instead. Um, at least when I was reading, I was like, maybe they'll kill Aunt May instead. But the minute they like focus so much on Uncle Ben and how awesome he is and how cool he is to Peter, I was like, oh, he's he's not long for this world. Yeah. This is terrible. Full page of the first full shot of Green Goblin is also uh, is awesome. Also, Harry is going crazy. I remember there was a lot of divisiveness right to this day about the design of the Green Goblin because he looked mm. nothing like. Because, I mean, you know, Spider-Man looks like Spider-Man. He's a smaller version of Spider-Man, and because Bagley was drawing him, uh, it was very consistent with Marvel Universe style. Ultimate, uh, Ultimate Green Goblin looks nothing like Green Goblin, because they really wanted to make him this big, imposing figure, uh, which I think was cool, but I remember some of the purists were just like, no, that does not look like the Green Goblin. I am not having this. Sunglasses come down, yep. deal with it. Deal with it. All right, Nolan J. Hitchcock says, Just reread Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through 7. Kind of forgot how great this was. Love the early Ultimate stuff so much. Agreed, Nolan. He also says, Since the Ultimate Universe has grown so much, I kind of forgot how great the early uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was in just updating core concepts of Spider-Man. Yeah, it, yeah. Did the, it did exactly what the mandate was for yeah, the exactly. Ultimate Universe. I mean, the Ultimate Universe is an interesting thing because we still love books today. We're just raving about Ultimate Comics Ultimates earlier. But what it was designed for, it was kind of like after a year or two, it became tough to do that because now it's developing its own continuity. Yeah. So you have to find other ways to make it cool. Um, and that's always been the mandate with Ultimate Universe is, uh, well, we can do anything here. Yeah. Um, but those first couple years of the ultimate universe were just gold especially spider-man i i really actually as much as i love ultimate sorry i loved ultimate x-men too that really got yeah that was that was great um all right more from nolan he says i think ultimate spider-man one was the first brian michael bendis book i ever read pretty much made me an instant fan mm-hmm. very good uh, he says, also, I love Kong. Oh, we didn't talk about Kong. Kong. Kong is fantastic. I like how simple things are for him. Peter's a nerd, so he picks on him. Peter's on the team, so they're friends. Yeah, yeah Kong was a, a brand new yeah. character. He's great. You know, it was just, it fit, he fit right in. Well, that was the it's because he's, he's Flash's buddy. He's yeah. Flash Thompson's best friend. He's this big, bald-headed bully. Um, and he grew so much over the course of the series. Initially, yeah. he was just another guy who picked on Peter Parker. Oh, yeah, and, and especially by the end, I mean, he's... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. By the end of Ultimate... We haven't seen him in a while. I would like yeah. to see him again. But he, uh, 
he was awesome because he was the the jock bully who also had like a heart yeah. underneath it all totally uh, another one from Nolan he says the image of Mary Jane hugging Peter when he gets home after catching the burglar is so perfect yeah. it's kind of heartbreaking too yeah this the Mary Jane Peter relationship in this was the fact that they were friends first and they had like kind of this little puppy love crush on each other yeah. it was so cool and Mary Jane is so of all the characters changed other than Uncle Ben maybe she's very different mm. I like she's just like she's not you know like sex pot Mary Jane from uh, the Marvel Universe she is smart. She is uh, capable, but she's but she's also like you know popular and likable at high yeah. school. She's I mean she's based very much on the one from the movie. Yeah. I think. And last one from Nolan. He says, "As much as I love Bagley's art, there are some questionable outfits here. Don't think high school kids wore so many overalls in 2001. You're you wrong, are wrong, Nolan. Nolan. We you have incorrect." We have verification. Testimony saying yeah. just the opposite. I will admit, I was made fun of by the popular girls for wearing so many overalls. So maybe they mm. were starting to go out. Yeah, but you were in middle school, so you were wearing them too early. Really? There's was, a time limit was, on when you was, can wear overalls? That was the problem. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, you were also probably like carrying like a Jane Austen novel in your arm or something. Right. So they yeah. might not have been making fun of the overalls themselves. Like a, a plush cat in your yeah. other arm. <laughs> Oh, specifically the overalls, guys. Okay? I, was told I don't, I don't overalls. think so. I don't think so. All right, Penelope Cat. Take a deep breath. She's got a lot. As he. Usual. It's a he? I believe so. I Penelope Cat was a girl for this whole time. Well, regardless. Anyway. They say, another great choice for Twin URC. I remember how when the Ultimate Universe was announced, fans freaked out about it not being real Marvel. Yeah, I wasn't reading it at the time, so I don't know how much of a controversy the Ultimate Universe yeah. was. When I came in, it was already a success. And most people scoffed at it. I yeah. remember it reader orders were relatively low yeah. in you know comparison to what they would become, and that caused the first issues to be so sought after. Yeah, because I guess every time Marvel had tried to do another imprint up to this point, it had, been, you know, had more like New Universe or... Kickers Incorporated, man. Kickers Incorporated. You gotta bring that like back. That. So, yeah, I, I didn't know about that, but that's interesting. I was excited about Ultimate Spider Man because I was already a huge Ryan Pendus fan from Goldfish and Jinx. You and dozens of others. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Zing. Couldn't imagine from his earlier work how Brian Bendis would handle superheroes, so that was exciting. That's true because he certainly had never written superheroes. That was all. None of his indie stuff was even remotely superheroes. Yeah, it was all crime. I know some, like, some McFarlane stuff, but even that was like oh, detectives. Right. Um, yeah, and Supernatural. Yeah, it was never getting superhero stuff. Spooky. Then he took right to it. Yeah. All right, talking about Ultimate Spider-Man number one, I think the audience's familiarity with Spidey means we know where things are headed, so Bendis has license to take his time. I agree. Love how the story has room to breathe. Now on to issue two. Bendis really captures the frustration of Peter's life, and still no costume. That yeah. was, I remember that, that was, was a big huge, thing. yeah. Yeah, they didn't, when he, he didn't get in the costume until like four? Yeah, well, he, he got into the... Like, the wrestler, the wrestling costume first. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't get into the actual Spider-Man costume. Grade. It was on the cover. It was on every cover. Yeah, I remember feeling so bad for Mark Bagley because every cover just seemed like he had to draw a different. Like I figured he would run out of Spider-Man poses. <laughs> and by the time they get to like issue one hundred, and he was still drawing like a lot of Spider-Man cover poses. Yeah, he did it. Uh, as a longtime fan, some of the natural pace is undercut by having Norman, Harry, and Auk all working together at Osborne. Um, I forgot Auk was in there. Auk's involved in the origins. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked having them all there. I like mythology. Uh, I like characters being connected, so I had no problem with it. Yeah, and it, it's 
the whole point is to, you know, mix it up and make, you know, do yeah. new things with it, and it made sense. And I always like that Norman's not just some guy who, I mean, original Norman's great. He's, you know, his best friend's father. They had that link. But the fact that he was so involved in his origin and he has this bigger tie to him that Spider-Man's basically what he wanted for himself. Yeah. I, I always liked that. And there was always that extra sense of menace when he showed up in all oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Issue number three. Bagley does a fantastic job showing us the character's emotions. What book was he on right before this? Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, we think it was Thunderbolts. Maybe. You have to look that up. Yeah. Check it out right after. But I'm, I'm sticking with Thunderbolts. Ultimate Spider-Man number four. Bendis and Bagley really capture the complex emotion Peter goes through. We really get a sense of his confusion. It's a comics convention that when someone gets powers, they become a hero or villain. Here we see it's not so simple. Definitely. Issue number five, that final page with Peter and MJ says so much. Truly worth a thousand words. The sudden death of Harry's never-before-mentioned mom really sticks out. Why even bring her in? Was sure it was a dream. That was a weird scene where she kind of gets blown up off camera. I think it was more just to add some tragedy to the Harry Osborne character and also to add some uh, danger to Norman. Um, and she really, I, she was, I don't think we ever even see her on, on panel. I think she was more of a plot device mm-hmm. than anything else. Number six, not a lot to say about this issue. Was Ultimate's out by this point since Peter mentions Captain America. That was, that was, I remember this was early, uh, the early Ultimate books, they didn't really know where they were. It was going. like the Wild West. It was. They didn't really know. They didn't really know what they were going to do. They didn't know if like this book was going to be it. So they just kind of wrote, and they were like, you know what? If we have to bring in Captain America later, we'll bring in Captain America later. Because you also remember they had Ultimate Marvel team up, where they introduced like characters, and then like kind of as a one-off, and then those characters would show up again later. In the yeah, Ultimate and those characters team in Team yeah. Up had no reflection on what the characters exactly. would actually be. This is actually a year before Ultimates came out. Yeah. So, yeah, any mention is just, like, you, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. This was, it wasn't until Ultimates was out they really started making the universe cohesive. Um, it was just fun. It was just, yeah, like Ryan said, it was the Wild West. Also, what kid has the components for web shooters just lying around? Just go with it, I tell myself. Yeah, you should. He's a, he's a smart he's a, kid. He's he tinkers. Science, he's a science kid. He makes tinkers. things. Yeah, he's really smart. Issue number seven, great battle choreography by Bagley. Less character stuff in the Goblin part of the arc than I remembered. Yeah, Goblin gets his character stuff in later arcs. Uh, here he's just basically, he's, he's the big bad that Peter has to face at the end. Overall, a great example of how to update a classic character without losing what makes him unique and distinct. Also, easy to see why Bendis has gone so far in his Marvel career. And amazing that he and Bagley had such a long run with no fill-ins. It's true, they went over 100 issues without anyone ever filling in for them. It was a record as I recall. Indeed it was. Uh, Scott McElroy says, very much enjoying Gunnar Skold and Ref Gemlin's commentary of Infinity Gauntlet on this week's Twin URC. I think that's, that's a little bit old, yeah. but that's, that's dated, good. That's good. Dated reference. Uh, and he says, yes, next Twin URC pick is 2000's Ultimate Spider-Man numbers one through six. Seven, seven. actually. Haven't read this arc since it originally dropped. Got to get in on this one. And he uh, was confused and then or Josh cleared things up for him. Yeah, timing. And they get a, a little sense of what we put into the app, which is good. That's why we do that yep. stuff. Um, well, she says, just realized that due to vacation, I'm not going to have enough time to reread it. What? This is tragic. <laughs> I'm beginning to feel I'm so like excited for. I'm him. beginning to feel like those folks who never seem to be able to get all their homework done. And then 
but on vacation, I bought my buds, 10-year-old daughter, the Ultimate Spider-Man trade in order to hashtag share, share your universe. Oh, Good job. Happy Ten ending. twin points for Dr. Underscore Spidey. Happy ending to a tra- Love it. tragic tale that was shaping up there. Yeah. Asbiv says, looking forward to reading Ultimate Spider-Man for Twim URC. This will be my first read of any of the Ultimate books, so thanks for suggesting. That's awesome, Stephen. That's very cool. He said, just read the first three issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. Great reimagining of the original story. Looking forward to reading more. He says, great first arc of Ultimate Spider-Man. Great Goblin. Thanks for the suggestion. Is the next arc also on Marvel Unlimited? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I think uh, a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man's on Marvel Unlimited. That's one of those books that is uh, maybe collected in... Ryan's checking it out now. Yeah, it's um, we got mm, tons and yeah, tons. If you of it. like the first arc of this and want to read more, there's like over a hundred issues of this book, and it's the nice thing is if you like uh, Brian Bennis and Mark Bagley, great news because they're there for about 110 issues or so. Yeah, I think this has um, this has yep yep. I'm still flipping through these. Yeah. We're in the 60s, and it's consistent. Yeah. The entire run through 80, uh, as I go down, boom, we hit 95. You've got the whole run of yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man in Marvel Unlimited. So you can read start to finish. If you like this arc, just keep on going. You can you can read the whole series. And yeah. uh, it's a great... It, it, a lot of it... nice thing about Bendis' plotting for Ultimate Spider-Man in particular is you'll get to issue 100, and they will still be like paying stuff, stuff off from the first arc. Uh, it's a great long story. As you can see, it's a great one to just jump into, and it's very new reader friendly, but there's also like, there's a lot of um, long term story planning going on. Yeah, and it even, when you, if you do go through all the Ultimate Spider Man, yeah. you go to Ultimate Comics Spider Man, and right. that first run is in here as well. And so then that you whole even, series is in there? That whole series Good is Lord. in here as well. And then there's the current Ultimate Comics Spider Man series yep. with Miles Morales, and Looks like we have 20 issues of that in here as well. This is still on the book. Yeah. This has been writing Ultimate Spider-Man for 13 years and counting. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty impressive, and definitely you can check it all out. Bananas. Susan Cotton. I was so pleased to see Kong hit the floor face first in Ultimate Spider-Man number one. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> I miss Kong. Yeah. we got to talk about where he is. Uh, I've had the same conversation with three-year-old Joe. It looks like boys never outgrow it, and this is, uh, we got a screenshot of Peter talking with Aunt May, where she's saying what's for dinner, and she's saying meatloaf, and he's going pizza, and she's going meatloaf, and he's going pizza, and it's basically out of Ryan's childhood. Yeah, it's great. But I think Aunt May's, it's not in this screenshot, uh, the panel, she then says... She make pizza meatloaf? Yeah, well, it's... it's, Pizza loaf. It's uh, pizza that looks a lot like meatloaf. It looks and tastes a lot like meatloaf, which I thought was hilarious. It's pretty brilliant. It's great. Lex Pendragon says, wait, which version of Ultimate Spider-Man is the Twim URC? Uh, it's the one bad, that's... Yeah, bad news, Lex. We're, we're done. But <laughs> it's the original one, yeah. if you want to go back and read it. Ultimate Spider-Man. All right, wrapping things up with Yogev. Is there any connection between the cover of Ultimate Spider-Man number six and Marvel's issue number four? Uh, they're both close-ups of Spider-Man's eye um, with basically the, the goblin. goblin and Glenn Peril. I can't say for sure, but I would say I would wager that was probably yeah, I mean, an influence. It's also a good strong yeah. image. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Bagley did a little homage there. I mean, it's, it's a very similar shot, so yeah. it's definitely possible. We don't know. And finally, from Yogev, as a comic noob, the Twin URC is amazing for me. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank we you, Thank Yogev. you guys all for all your comments. Hope you enjoyed it this week. And speaking of keeping up the great work, 
what is your pick? So my next, pick for next see. week, first I was going to go with a Punisher book. And I was like, I'm going to choose something Punisher. Um, and then I said, you know what? I got something totally out of left field, something different that I want to mm. I want to reread. And it is Union Jack, Union the 2006 Jack. limited series by our friend Christos Gage yep. and our other friend Mike uh, Perkins. And that is a great pick. Yeah. That is the definition of underrated. Yes, that it's fantastic. really good. Um, it's just it's a very specific time period in the Marvel universe, but it's mm-hmm. it's really great stuff. And so we'll make sure those are easily. How many issues? That it's only four issues. Perfect. Make it uh, real easy to find in the app and on the website. But it's just yeah. Union Jack, one through four from two thousand six. Right. And I think you guys will really dig it. And if you guys liked Brubaker's run on Captain America, I remember this was kind of like a companion piece. And this almost. spun out of, yeah. of Union Jack showing up in Cap, yeah. and it was cool. Great book. Good pick. Yeah, fun stuff. All right, guys. Uh, and again, when you're reading the Union Jack stuff, use hashtag TWIMURC, T-W-I-M-U-R-C, in your tweets, and we'll get to it from uh, in, the, in two weeks' time, episode 97. Right. Uh, next week we'll get back to your questions and comments about all things Marvel. Mm-hmm. Use hashtag this week in Marvel for that. Try not to use hashtag twim. Yeah, I will try and check the twim hashtag, but if I don't have the time no. to, then don't your do it. then your tweets get lost. It's just enabling them. I don't want your don't tweets check, to get lost. Don't check it at all. All right. Thanks, Carrie, for joining us this week. Thanks to Ben, Blake, and Strami, and most importantly, thanks to you guys for listening. No interns this week. No thanks to them. None. This is Marvel, your universe.